Hey everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. I am your host, Alex. I'm joining me in our lovely Los Angeles apartment. It's Megan. Hello, Alex. Nice to see you. Thanks nice for see you too. being here. You're welcome. <laughs> also joining us from Northern California, it's Ez and Sarah. Good morning. Hello. And rounding out our panel, also back in Los Angeles, new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, dudes. Good day. Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sleepy. I'm a, I'm a little. I'm a little behind the behind the fastball. I was. Yeah, I was trying to trying to remember if somebody said "wow" in that way during the episode. But I, I mean, someone's definitely said "wow" at yeah. some point. It was a quote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so today we're talking about season 18, episode seven, feeding the front lines. Uh, and let's just jump into the quick fire today. Uh, so you know, we all make mistakes, right? You guys ever made a mistake? Maybe one or two. How would you like a chance to remake that same exact mistake on national television? You can with today's quick fire challenge, whether that be causing an airborne toxic event that almost burns down your apartment in Avishar's case, or the mistake of mutton not being good enough for you in Byron's case. (laughs) But thanks to the good folks at Dave's Killer Bread, a bakery that started in the Portland area and hires a lot of formerly incarcerated people. The chefs get a chance um, uh, to either correct those mistakes or, in the case of Avatar and Byron, make them all over. Make them afresh. Uh, But they're going to be doing that using slightly less than ideal ingredients like sad turkey, flaccid cukes, or the very fresh but the end of the loaf of bread, uh, which is a real heel. So Dave wouldn't let you use their bad bread. Dave wanted you to use just the unpopular part of the good bread. Um, on the bottom, Byron's mutton flavor is still on the lamb. Avishar's turkey needs to lay off the sauce, and Maria skimps on the shrimp. But on top, Gabe's 29th mole of the season is close to holy. Don's tuna is roasted and on fire, but Shoda jumps to the head of the pack with his fish face, which gives him immunity that he is going to use to its fullest. It's it's like a um, insurance for a rental car, right? You just you want to total it once. You yeah, we want to get all of the insurance money out of it, whatever oh, the yeah. maximum. That's the point. Rental car companies know not to let me in because <laughs> pay for the insurance and then drive it off a bridge. I <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely showed a drove the elimination challenge like he was renting it. Wait, Kyle, I love the idea that like there's sort of like a stock of cars like off a bridge like all the way going up because you just kept on leaving. <laughs> oh, Kyle's <laughs> coming. Back. Another one, Another one yeah. in the stack. <laughs> uh, yeah, they um, they do. They, he definitely drove it really terribly. Um, I my favorite one. I mentioned it already, but Byron is like the mistake is I'm gonna give Mutton a second chance. That is so funny. Yeah, I don't think Byron is a very creative person. Like he might he, not he's, be. He's very good at cooking, but like from like the way he talks about his dishes and especially. Like uh, approaching quick fires, he just sort of like cooks something and comes up with an ex- explanation like way after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a very good point. At um, uh, Leprechaun on Twitter says, I think Avishar was in the bottom of the quick fire because he didn't ask Captain Yogurt for permission to use yogurt in his dish. Mm. It was very important. I can't remember who's the who did ask. Captain Gabe. Y- Gabe. Gabe asked permission. Uh, Avishar went uh, tried to do it pro bono and was not allowed yeah, sarah just has like undue influence uh captain yogurt like it's it seems like fun but it's really more of a like uh organized crime sort of thing where captain yogurt controls the yogurt trade it's don yogurt yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
Um, Don yogurt. Donya. Donya. Man, please, I need some fat in my sauce. I love the idea, though. I think this is a good play for Top Chef, which is you you try to carve out one signature like um, like food ingredient, and then you get a like a Chobani like endorsement deal after you're done. Right. Oh, solid. Yeah, yeah. that's the a good chef idea. Chef Pestins are figuring out how to mm-hmm. game game the system financially. I like that. Yeah. So when when the when big sheep money starts rolling in for Byron, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna take back everything you said. Yeah. Hopefully, Avishar uh, doesn't get a sponsorship from Big Jar because he had to outsource the opening of his jars on this episode. Wasn't that cute? He was like, Shota, can you please open this jar for me? For I have oh, two weeks. Tiny week. jar. <laughs> yeah, it was not a big jar there. Shota's, yeah, we get Shota's brand jar openers. It's all part of this, like, it's long, it's, it's long. All yeah, long future time. product placement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, How long until someone says, this is not top yogurt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a good, if she makes the finals, that will sure come up. That will happen. I think yogurt is more versatile than a scallop, you know? Like, right. you so can true. use yogurt in other ways that complement and enhance other flavors. A scallop yeah. is, is going to be like a scallop. Yeah, right? Uh, yogurt parfait is not a scallop parfait. Yeah, but so, what? Like, very true. <laughs> Excellent point, Ez. We should, we should definitely dwell on this longer. <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone to make like a scallop yogurt. Like we, oh, we, God. they try in the Seattle rewatch. They tried to do scallop noodles. Yeah, scallop yeah. noodles like, did not go good. Like make a scallop yogurt and then use that yogurt to make a scallop infused <laughs> yogurt sauce. Scallop with scallop sauce. I gotta, I gotta put a hard veto on this conversation for the sake of my health. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with no on this as well. Um, yeah, Don yogurt's gonna say no. Don Don Vito yogurt is gonna say no. Do you, do you feel like uh, the yogurt sauce is um, different, more different from one to one than Gabe's um, making all the different moles? He claims to have a lot of different moles, and I know moles have a lot of different flavor profiles, but they also seem like by the twelfth you'd be like. Hey, this is a little different. There's bread in this one, but it tastes pretty mole to me. From from a viewer's perspective, I think the repeated moles are way more boring than the repeated yogurts because, you know, we we can't taste all the nuances in the moles. But right. I think I feel like I can. <laughs> I feel like I can imagine how the yogurt might play into each dish differently right. and. Yeah, understand that better. So I'm not sick of yogurt yet, but I'm pretty done with the moles. I mean, I love moles, but I it just I don't know how different. I mean, I don't. Yeah, they, they seem similar when we watched them plated them. I like that this was burning the bread. I like that he took second choice bread and then was like, I'm gonna make it third choice bread. He he destroyed that Dave's bread. He killed that bread, which I like. Yeah, I like that. And like moles, they look. The problem is they look very similar because it's always like right. A like a, a generous sauce with some like hard ingredients like placed in the middle and maybe like a secondary sauce and garnish on top. But like flavor wise, their moles taste drastically different. Right. I think that like that's a good so point. Like the that's... look flavor thing is is not playing as well on TV. Yeah, maybe yeah. we're just maybe I'm just approaching it wrong instead of thinking of it as oh another mole. It's just like oh it's a different sauce. Like, yeah, right. It would be like oh wow, sauces. why are you making yeah. so many sauces? Yeah, but the sauces that but they're all the same color and they cover everything on the plate, so it does look a little more similar from plate to plate. Whereas the yogurt sauce is going to be on a different different protein, different in varying plate. amounts. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I did also since Avishar was punished for having too much sauce. This has been an interesting saucy season. There's been a lot of sauce talk this year. But Avatar, they were like, this is pretty good. We had like seven sauces and we could have done with four. Yeah, and I'd never heard of like a sweet and sour turkey. Like he's like, this is what I made like decades ago. This common thing, sweet and sour turkey. And like I've never breaded and thought to do anything sweet with a piece of turkey. But that does remind me, do you have any good kitchen mistakes? Any good uh, that you might want to take a second chance at? I did like that he, he, his was like, I... It wasn't a recent Top Chef one. It was, I ruined my neighbor's life. <laughs> um, I So I, I want to actually loop back around because my first dish I remember making, I wasn't here for it uh, oh, right. last week. Oh, yes. Was, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to leave room for this. We can have Ezra listen to our episode that he was not on last week, and he has a list of riffs that we're going to go through here in a bit. But first, <laughs> tell us your first dish you remember making. So I remember uh, microwaving a bagel and like just charring it because oh. if you like microwave a bagel for like five minutes, it doesn't like that. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, it was a frozen bagel. It was a frozen bagel, I should say. But uh, still, it doesn't five like too much. that. It doesn't like wasn't a fan. Uh, so I would have microwaved it less. Um, that's, that's a good my... lesson. Okay, so this was both your first dish and your first mistake. Yeah, first mistake was a dish. First dish was a mistake. Um, well, I think for me, we once made or tried to make whoopie pies, uh-huh. um, which are so good, right? Isn't that what that was? Wait, uh, the macaron? Was no. It? It was whoopie pies. We did both. Yeah, and uh, whoopie pies and so macarons, good. despite being somewhat similar in shape, are like opposite ends of a spectrum. Yeah. I think. Well, they were similarly messed up. I think is what. I happened. mean, I but think a macaron is just a it's a French whoopie pie. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we, we did not. We did a horrible job, and they did not turn out. I mean, I think they tasted fine, but they just looked not like whoopie pies. Yeah, it was more like like whoopie with like a period. It's like all lowercase, like whoopie. <laughs> lowercase, yeah. sad whoopie. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to. Try that again because it it was like a whole day and then it was a failure. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst. I definitely remember doing like making some for like my parents' anniversary. The kid we decided to cook them stew, and so we just like we'd put like chunks of meat in a pot with not nearly enough liquid, and then just left it all day until you open it and it's just like smoke comes out. And there's no meat left. <laughs> it's just completely vaporized. Um, and they were like, "Cool, we'll go out." They were very good sports about it. <laughs> I mean, that's a fun magic trick. You gave them the gift of <laughs> magic. Truly, yes. <laughs> Would you like to see us make your steak disappear? <laughs> um, Hannah wrote in on Facebook just on last week's episode to talk about her first uh, thing that she made, which was for her mom's 40th birthday when she was seven. She cooked an entire a chicken parm couscous fruit salad and a giant cookie, um, which is so gosh darn impressive. That is an incredible thing to make and also At very, seven? very cute. Seven. Seven. Chicken Seven. parm? Yes. Um, Parmesan crusted chicken. Uh, uh, uh. Is that, sorry, not chicken parm. Par- similar. I mean, cooking chicken at any age sounds like an impossible feat to me, so I <laughs> yeah. am very I impressed. still get nervous cooking chicken. I don't do it that often. Mm. That's true. I, yeah, and also just a seven-year-old, like, do they know proper health and safety precautions with raw chicken? I mean, I, they have strong immunities, immune systems. Oh, that's, that's strong. So. It's fine. Um, Let's put it this way. Our almost seven-year-old makes a really good smoothie Mm. by putting fruit inside of a glass of almond milk and mixing it around. (laughs) Sometimes sometimes also... That just sounds like wet fruit. That's that's more of a smoothie. (laughs) (laughs) He does... You know, like the the, uh, the latte, like the arrow latte thingy? He uses that as like his immersion blender also. Oh, that's cute. Probably can't handle frozen fruit. 
not, not well. No, he's it's a lightly frothed smoothie. It's the it's the sweetest, cutest thing. That's His flavor cool. profiles are kind of good, also. I'll, I'll be honest, he, he, does, he does good stuff. Um, and what else did you guys have I, as far as like big cooking mistakes? I definitely uh, felt for Avatar with the airborne toxic event. He did his with peppers, and we've done it with popcorn. But we've definitely oh, annoyed the that hallway. That was just me. I said we. I was being. I was inclusive. all alone. <laughs> it was we really have... terrible. Okay, Megan did destroy our hallway with the smells of burnt oil. No, no one has to feel bad about this now. Uh, other Sarah, you had something. Yeah. Yeah, we have this one gluten-free brownie recipe. We've tried to make like two or three times, and every time it is the worst thing in a different way. <laughs> And I'm like a That's decent exciting. baker yeah. and it's very, and I've made other gluten-free things and you know, so you have to like, it's obviously a bit more involved because you usually have different proportions of flour and stuff, but this was not a recipe I made up. This is like from a respected bakery. And every time I've made this recipe, there is like a raw layer on the top and then it's like burned and crumbly underneath <laughs> or it was like reversed one time. I do it's like just, the randomness of this. That's pretty exciting. It's mm. so frustrating and I it's the one thing that's like really defeated me because you have a lot of failures in baking, but this one it's yeah. been repeated. We had a failure just this week. We tried to make an impossible or like a Beyond Meat meatloaf. Oh. Uh, a Beyond Meatloaf. A Beyond Meatloaf. And, like, thankfully, it's still, it wasn't, like, a lost cause. It just, like, we baked it for over an hour, and instead of becoming a loaf, it just stayed this, like, meat soup, this, mm. like, barbecue sauce meat soup. Nice. That we just ate as a sloppy joe. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like a sloppy joe. Yeah. <laughs> it was That's cooked. true, it does. It was, it was cooked, so it was just, like, well, we just baked it in a weird vessel for this purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I like, I really do like both Beyond and the Impossible Burgers, but all of the other parts of it we've not had any success with, I feel like. I we've- had some matzo ball failures now that I'm remembering from this last, um, yeah, so I guess a, a year ago. Um, usually, like, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. The, the places where you're going to get matzo ball wrong is if it's, like, um, it's too dense. Um, you just, like, you pack it in too tight. Mm-hmm. Unless you're me, in which case the place you get it wrong <laughs> is um, <laughs> you try to save pots by... Um, uh, doing a uh, a double uh, double double boiler uh, to melt your chocolate above the cooking matzo balls, <laughs> um, but you oh, do that's it. Such a great thrifty hold, mistake. Hold on, but you do it in a nine pyrex, and it just instantly shatters when it touches the water, <gasps> oh, and no. so you have uh, basically shards shards of glass and 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 watery chocolate in your matzo balls, which is kind of a write off. That uh, is worse than dense. Okay, but the, here's the thing. That's an equipment failure. I'm actually really curious if you got like a Pyrex. I mean, it seems like it would work. I think yeah. it's plausible, yes. I like. Um, I love the idea that you're like, oh, this steam is going to waste. Better double boil some chocolate. Okay, the problem is, this. I, so I was like, okay, no problem. Freak mistake. I'll do it again. This is when I was learning. <laughs> this is no, no, no. This is when I was learning, like, I think where it's like, hey, all my water's been untersalted. I need to have more salt. And so I just like, basically it was like triple the salinity of like uh, the, the sea. And then like the next ones were just like, oh wow, we cannot eat this. This is just like, it, it's, it's a salt balls. lick. Yeah. yeah. All the right, third but the, one but, was but, successful but, though. But too salty, no shards of glass, right? Yeah. That sounds yeah, like no, an improvement. In a, a more edible direction. Imp- yeah. I feel like if Tom and Tom's always ranking which different mistakes are the ones <laughs> to send you home. And I feel like shards of glass in my soup yeah. would be, that's like <laughs> almost as bad as raw chicken. It's well seasoned, but the glass I just can't get over, guys. <laughs> 
Um, we, that's very fun. Before we move on from this, I do want to add, um, Hannah men- also mentioned, uh, loved the Dave's Killer Bread tie-in. It is my favorite bread. Good Seed is my fave, but also love Power Seed. And it was, this is, by the way, if you have not experienced Dave Killer Bread, just imagine a bread that also was a bird feeder. They, all of the seeds, they like a lot of seeds on a bread. And I also like a lot of seeds in my bread, it turns out. But just in case you can't picture. Anyway, Hannah says, uh, it was a good tie-in with the Second Chance theme. Um, besides the taste of the bread, I love the ethos of the company. So are you guys familiar with Dave's? Are you guys Dave's consumers? Yeah. I, yeah. I had it at... Like when I was in an office, they would take, they would buy it because it's a good bread, but it's expensive. So I usually don't get it on my own. Yeah. Yeah, it is expensive. My very favorite is the blues. We like one. the blues. Oh, it's so good. Um, oats and blues, I think is what it is. But it definitely looks blue. Yeah. How uh, much is the, it for one loaf? I'm curious. I mean, like, I feel like it was like in the $6 yeah. to $7 yeah. range for like a, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good loaf of, of sliced bread, but you know, it's, 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 that's on the high end for a wide paper of slice. So it, it certainly is. Also, it's a formerly cool Portland brand um, with a cool ethos. It got bought by Wonder Bread. So now it's just Wonder Bread with seeds. And they actually, they were apparently, I, I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but they had a weird disclaimer on the screen when they said Port- Dave's Killer Bread is from Portland, where they were like, it started in this Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the suburb of Portland, and now it is made in lots of places. Like they were. Which they have across the country. Yeah. So there was a that was a weird. I've not seen them have to ex- over explain where bread is made before, but um, I don't think it's changed taste as far as I know. Though. No, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure they've like yeah they've even further industrialized the process to make it a mm-hmm. bunch of different bakeries. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like something that went to say because like if you're like oh I'd be interested in this bread. Wait, I live in Georgia. I'm not paying for bread to be shipped from right. Portland. That could be. I it. They want just want stale... you to know that it's available. Yeah. The the um it was really a, a sad thing I thought when Wonder Bread bought it. it of all of the thing of all the bread companies, just I, I'm happy when local companies do well and get an exit. But when like a really cool local brand gets bought by famously not the good bread, um, it's a bit of a disappointment. That's true, but I mean, are they keeping their like production and everything? Because if it's just for the like distribution apparatus, like I don't know, that seems kind of like Wonder Bread using its um mediocrity for good <laughs> yeah that's totally true i actually don't know how much they've kept up especially the hiring formerly incarcerated people part yeah. of the ETH. i don't know how much they've continued that but i would assume at least some which is cool also fun fact um which i don't even think ezra knows this um but that logo on the dave's killer bread where there's a guy playing his guitar with his long hair the guy who drew that logo also drew the cover of ezra and i's book what oh yeah. really yeah same guy yep he's wow. really yeah He's a you good should plug. You should plug your book here. We should mention the book. Um, so Ezra and I wrote a book a few years ago called "Unwrap My Heart." It's a young adult romance novel about a girl who falls in love with a sexy mummy, and Publishers Weekly called it unfortunate. And also, Sarah did the audiobook, and she did an awesome job. Thank you. Publishers Weekly also called me unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Publishers Weekly only reviews like two self-published books a year, and you'd think if they took it, that meant they like it, but nope. We proved that theory wrong. <laughs> they didn't get it at all. If you don't have anything nice to say, say unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, really fun local artist who I enjoy very much who drew that for us. Um, anyway, so that's the quick fire. Um, let's slide into the elimination challenge now. Before we do that, can I catch up on last week? Oh, yes. Oh, such a good point. Before we move on to the elimination challenge, 
Ezra, you listened to the episode. You wish you could have been here to riff. Please catch us up on your riffs from last week. Okay, so everyone's going through, you know, what the first thing they make was, and then like uh, you asked uh, Chris if he remembered the first lawyer he worked for, and he right after that said scrambled eggs. Why did no one ask him about his scrambled egg lawyer friend? Uh, <laughs> this is feels like a, a big miss there, and Chris's backstory. I'll Great have to question. On later, keep it going. Um, on the uh, Australia snakes, uh, you said the snake fang was tw- twenty centimeters. Why did no one say that's not a fang? This is a fang. Great. Um, <laughs> Great. What else? Uh, there's the, you talked about the, the land snakes. You, you're afraid about the, the water snakes. Air snakes, guys, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. Terrifying, the air snakes. <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, your bison doubtfire joke did not get enough love. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, people, and, people said that they did enjoy it, but um, they didn't react in the moment. It wasn't a funny joke. It was like seeing a joke that is like, a piece of a work of art where you just have to stand and yeah. soak it in. Like laughter was not the reaction to that joke. Yeah. Um, um, I think that's last, fair. Yeah. It was too uh, clever. Uh, slouchy hat, uh, plus one. Uh, yeah. As, as someone without, uh, really any hair on the head, uh, the slouch is very important. Uh, you just need extra layers on top. Right. Uh, the biggest problem is, uh, though, like if you, if you wash that slouchy hat and, and, and like, and dry it in a way you shouldn't supposed to, it will lose its slouch right, right quick. Oh. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be more of like a, like I want to say like a, a cat in a hat, kind of like stand up hat. Um, uh, cause it's like, it's dried enough, uh, and it's like got a little bit of its uh, form back. Uh, Interesting. In a way it's not really helping anyone. Yeah. I didn't know that that's how that would work. Well, these are solid riffs. We really missed you last week. We didn't even feel that those were missing. Um, but I'm glad to have them yeah. now. And, and I guess the last, this is not a riff, but I just, is it really true that there's no like vegan, like Michelin star restaurant stuff? Like, is that. Yeah. They went. Yeah. I believe so. There's there's no two star vegan Michelin. There's like there's one, there's one Michelin star to a vegan restaurant, I believe, in Beijing, and then there's also a bunch of vegetarian restaurants that have one star. No vegetarian restaurants have gotten two Michelin stars, and only the one vegan place has gotten one star. I believe that's what I read in the article about um, Eleven Madison Park going vegan or mostly vegan. But All yeah, right. I believe that to be true. Okay, thank, thank you for for you just just wanted me to. You're just like just wanted no, to see if like, I was lying. I would just. I mean, look, uh, this is this is like as a fan who gets to be uh, you know on the show. Uh, it's just nice to like sort of like you know, get to grill the host on this. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. It's good to have you back. Let's jump into the elimination challenge now. Um, so, Chef Jose Andres zooms in our first Zoom panelist of the season to tell the chefs about his program, World Central Kitchen, that brings meals to frontline workers. Our chefs need to help that organization out by making 65 to-go meals using only bulk ingredients already in the pantry because Whole Foods couldn't afford this episode. So they uh, package, they can be packaged up and delivered to local hospitals by the all-stars who get to then take all the credit. Sarah's lentils fulfill their promise. Fulfill their promises. Mm. Uh, Dawn's steak uh, shows that she's got grits and determination, uh, but it's fresh from the loser's bracket that Jamie shows up with the big win for her souped-up tofu and braised egg plants a flag that she deserves to be back. You can... Yeah. There are more works of art to be appreciated than laughed at. Um, <laughs> you can also call him head of the of Team Rollerblade because Shota skates through this challenge, but he's not immune to a stern talking to from Papa Tom, who is not impressed. Uh, all, but uh, since they can't send him home, instead Maria gives the folks uh, of Good Sam a raw deal by only cooking half her tortilla. 
Chris has perfect roast streaks across his chicken, but continues his his perfect streak, seven for seven dishes without a grain of salt. But the world collapses around Spaceman Avishar, who uses all of his molecular gastronomy tricks to put a ton of spices and still make a flavorless curry. He's eliminated, dashing Ezra's hopes of him going all of the way. Ezra never loses hope. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good point. I don't know how they're going to do it, but like, look, if Sasha can get back out of that double loser's bracket. It's true. Sasha's been eliminated more than anybody, and she's still, she's still up there. Yeah, um, there could be a triple losers bracket. <laughs> it could be, yeah. We, they go find the people who are not even on the stools anymore and bring them back in. Just There's to a let chaos bracket. Like, <laughs> dude, Ezra's always voting for the chaos oh, bracket. Oh yeah, I would definitely, definitely team chaos. Um, one thing that we got a few versions of already. Let's um, actually let's talk about the tops before we get into the bottoms. So, um, some some more continuing of. The, the same, you know, same people. Sarah's still on top. Dawn continues to crush. Um, Jamie's the big surprise being on top after the elimination. Well, I think Jamie had... Oh, didn't she win, like, one of the early challenges? Or she has been on top before. So it wasn't that much of a surprise. So, like, straight out of Yeah, so uh, straight out of the bracket and is, is still impressive, I think. But, yeah, I don't... She's... Let me pull up her numbers thus far. Um, I think this happens a little bit also sometimes after uh, LCK because, like, I think they're kind of a little bit better rested on the whole. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very possible. So she's had two elimination tops, but this was her first elimination yeah. win, and she has one quick fire win before this. So, yeah, so she's, she's in the mix. Yeah, she's, she's definitely, definitely in the mix. Mixing it up. I mean, I like these tops. They're tasty meals. Like, they also look like, this is an easy one to tell because we've all had so much takeout food both in the last year. And also just, like, imagining a takeout food you get at work if oh, you have, yeah. like, an office job. You know, looking at it, what's going to taste good and what's going to taste bad. This is such a good and point. Like, all three of these dishes look incredible for being in little plastic rectangles. I want that pita so bad. Oh, I'm yeah. i staring yeah. at it. I just want that pita. Also, the fact that there was a vegetarian one... <laughs> And it was yeah. successful. I was like, wow, yeah. I feel so seen. Yeah. It was so funny really that bad. everyone was like, there was no meat. Yeah. Like, the, like, everyone kept calling, I didn't even miss the wow, meat. Wow, there was no meat. Like, you've never, like, yeah, Tom was so impressed that he didn't miss the meat as if he'd never had falafel before. Like, every time he eats falafel, is he surprised that there's no meat in it? It does look like I, a good falafel. She made the pita, and then also her falafel balls are covered in bird seed, like they are from Dave's Killer Falafel. <laughs> I I really like I think that aside from the meatlessness, it was really I think a high risk thing to make falafel in a to go situation because mm -hmm. like yeah. it is basically like they are they are just like like I don't know I was gonna say hockey pucks but hockey pucks aren't that shape whatever like a hard ball is golf ball, ball shape balls, yeah golf you. for example a lot of uh, baseball a lot of balls are hard uh, and round it was, it was a hockey ball um, and, uh, oh street uh, hockey actually oh yeah that's well, a real okay. thing you accidentally <laughs> said. Um, so, but yeah, it's, they can be real, real rough, real quick. So that's one of those things I really don't order uh, to go on because uh, yeah, I do wonder out too. because the chefs were not judging based on like they got them pretty quick. So I wonder how because so these hockey pucks could have dried out, but also there's a bunch of sauce in there, so they could have gotten soggy. Mm -hmm. So I wonder how they traveled. Yeah. Well, you had all the chefs who like were delivering the. Food oh, that's true. We had picnic like, chefs seem to be having those after delivery. So that's a good point. They'd, they'd at least be able to weigh in and say whether it still tasted edible. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Um, yeah, they were so cute. They were like, 
we're just going to pull over in this parking lot and go s- like sit under a, a tree in our BMW and eat this meal. That was cute. Um, I also like this challenge very much. I thought this was the like one of the most perfect um, pandemic challenges. I wish there was a little bit more because like th- when they started the challenge, they like said like, all right, you got to go in the stew room so we can recon- like reorient the Top Chef kitchen to cook this according to COVID protocols. But it wasn't really clear what they were doing other than like scrubbing it down again and then making them cook in masks. Like, yeah, we did see more scrubbing. Been a lot of it, and the masks were a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I thought they just left to get into their PPE. I didn't realize they did anything extra with the kitchen. Well, it was also weird that like they cooked that whole like drive-in meal for like regular people, like people who weren't in their bubble. So like. I know they were taking like extra precautions for cooking for like first response, like people in hospitals. So like that's, I just would have liked to know a little bit more about what's different for cooking for them because there there was a clear change in like the precautions and like yeah. what they were doing. You know what I suspect though is that that's probably something um, that Jose Andres's like company requires for yeah, that type of catering. I bet that was. I'm sure they have baseline things they had to follow to, like, feed the general public. Or they just had, like, a really exhaustive waiver that everyone signed. <laughs> but I, I, I wondered if that was for, like, that particular organization that they were, like, all of our food is cooked according to these mm-hmm. guidelines. So they yeah. followed it since it was a deliberate tie-in, perhaps. Yeah. Also, just remember the people watching a movie? Screw them. You know, that's the important <laughs> thing. We, people who go to drive-ins, we're on the back lines. We are not worried. Well, and anytime, really, even in non-pandemic times, you go to the movie theater, you're getting food. That's a gamble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, you know also, as far as these this pandemic precautions, we didn't know at the time as well, but you can't get it from eating it. This is not a way that you could get... Like, wiping down the tables didn't matter at all. That was a thing we were doing a lot last year, but wiping surfaces never mattered for COVID at all. So but You know what? I don't want to discourage people, particularly food service workers, from being clean. Yeah, I'm all. Yeah, I'm, I'm generally like into that. cleanliness. There's a lot of other things you can get from eating, so be happy for you to not touch my food with your gross fingers too often. But that's actually, I I can't watch cooking shows with my mom very often because she's always like, they touch the food with their hands. Like she gets really <laughs> concerned about chefs like I, messing with the garnish. I don't think stuff. this is a disease issue, but the thing that grosses me out the most on shows like this is how much they're visibly dripping sweat from their faces, and you know at some point they're leaning over your soup. <laughs> It's, it's, oh, it's always going to be sweat salt, soup. Man. It's fine. I'll take um, it over over shards of glass for sure. If it's a soup, that's a soup that's like boiling off all the bad stuff. Yeah, soup is also yeah. basically just hot tears. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to like kind of loop back around to uh, Jose Andres. Uh, mm-hmm. If anyone like like one, I think he's a delight. Anytime I see him, if anyone wants more uh, of them in their lives, uh, the. Michelle Obama uh, show uh, mm-hmm. Waffles and Mochi. Mm. He like he helps uh, like the I guess the the, the puppets make a, uh, a gazpacho. I think. Oh um, yeah, he was the gazpacho on the tomato one. That's the only yeah. one we watched. We watched the first episode with the tomatoes, and uh, they went to so many places. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, I actually thought that was a really good nuanced discussion of the tomato. I was surprised because I'm all, I'm a little irritated by how many by, by people who like to snoot about it being a fruit when we actually eat it as a vegetable. And so I thought they covered that really well. Also I like that Michelle Obama's like in my dream world, I'm a restaurant or I'm a, I'm a manager at a at a food Co-op. place. Like I'm just like a middle manager. With like 
a kind of a nebbish, annoying, like, bee second to me. Yes, <laughs> super annoying bee. Um, that show is so cute, it makes me cry. Yeah. Like, Mochi is, oh my god, just watch that show, please. Okay, it's so, so it is cute, but also, he's sort of made out of food, and then the other one is just food. The waffles on waffles are a cre- I'm just not sure how that creature well, works. His, one of his parents was a frozen waffle, and his other parent was a Yeti. They explain this. Yeah. And- <laughs> In the show. I do feel like as good as they were about tomatoes, they were not great on genetics. I think it's fine. I don't think if you, if you bonk a waffle, I don't think you end up to be just you, but with waffles glued to your stomach. Well, that's what you thought, and you'd be wrong, <laughs> right? That's exactly how it works. What, I, I don't remember. Were they clear about which uh, parent was which? Yeah, but I can't remember. I feel like it was maybe his... I feel like the mom has the to be the Yeti. I'm having trouble yeah. imagining the waffle carrying anything to term... <laughs> That's true. A hot pocket is basically a pregnant waffle. No, that's a pop tart. This is a very oh, upsetting conversation right. about a kid's show. I'm so sorry, Michelle. We really got Megan. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason impregnating a waffle got her. I'm sure I said that when we watched it too. Mm-hmm. Oh, can we make a really dumb recommendation too, since we're talking about kids' shows on Netflix that we probably shouldn't be watching? Have you guys seen mm. Pui Pui Molkar? No. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. This isn't the show. Pui, this Pui isn't the show. Mulcar. You just had a stroke. Pui Pui Mulcar. They're like three <laughs> minutes long. Uh, the episodes are super short. And they are um, guinea pigs that are also cars. So they have, they're have they alive and they have personalities, but they also are cars that have wheels. And sometimes humans get inside them to drive them. And it, No. But no, wait, no, no. So are, but, wait, wait, wait. Uh, okay, wait. Let me clarify. Yes, please. Are these regular-sized guinea pigs that turn into full-size cars or are they car-sized guinea pigs that turn into full-size cars? Or are they guinea pig-sized guinea pigs who turn into guinea pig-sized cars? Guinea pig-sized guinea pigs pig. that are also kind of guinea pig cars. Yeah. And there are people inside them that are like people, so that, but so they're, they're also dolls. So they're little people figurines yeah. who get inside them. But right. then once they're inside, they're real people. This is the thing you have to understand. It's, it's stop motion, and they are made of yarn. They are the cutest cars, and they have so much personality. And like there's one, like in one of the first episodes, there's like, they're being chased, uh, there's like, robbers in a car and they're being chased by cop cars and so they throw a carrot and all the pui pui cops pull over to eat the carrot because they're also guinea pigs they're guinea pigs yeah um it is extremely cute and insane it makes no sense at all uh but it is it's worth the three minutes at least this is a lot to unpack here yes so it's it's pui pui mole car are they not moles so it is Japanese, and I don't know, but they're not moles. They're definitely guinea pigs if you look at them. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. But they're not. It's not spelled. Isn't it M O L C A R? It's not actually. Yeah. There's no e. Look, I mean, it, but it's clearly not guinea pig car. I'm, that's all I'm saying. It's, um. In yeah. Uh. I, I don't. Even, I can't even tell you. Um. I mean, I think they're just their own thing. Because yeah. they are cars. Yeah. Right. Which guinea okay. pigs are not. That's so. a, that's an excellent. That's a great point. point. Um. Excellent point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a lot to unpack here. Uh, I, I recommend that you watch three minutes of that and just be confused by it. Uh, back to the bottoms. So we've covered some tops pretty well. Um, on the bottoms, uh, not as appetizing, although I thought Chris's dish was the one that looked most like a like airport takeout where it looks good and then doesn't taste good. But it was yeah. like it beautifully seared looking, a really nice pile that just tasted like crap. Whereas Avishar's right did not look good. Mm. What? 
It had all the right colors. Like yes. the chicken is chicken colored. The sauce is sauce colored. The Brussels sprouts are Brussels sprout colored. The gratin is gratin colored. Like yeah. everything looks like it, it was very well like composed. Maria's actually looked pretty good, but the raw side of the tortilla definitely would be off putting for me. How do you get one side of a tortilla? She was in a wrong? pizza oven. Yeah, I guess, and the pizza I mean, oven is like like seven thousand yeah, so degrees, and so my guess is she just didn't flip it fast enough or enough or whatever. Also, I I do remember from reading I was, this book I just was reading about pizza. Um, they the back of the oven to the front of the oven is like a thousand degrees difference. Like there's oh. such a huge variation from where the heat source is to the door that depending on where you put it, you could really like they have to you have to spin a pizza in a good pizza oven a couple of times to make sure it browns evenly this has really convinced me to never go near a pizza oven that's alarming they are terrifying yeah we, we put those inside it's crazy <laughs> um but then uh avishar's i mean i'm not surprised that he went home from just looking at the photos of it because his food looks not super pleasant it's such a bummer because the idea of the dish is like it sounds really delicious yeah and it's such a a smart thing to like reheat too like that's all seems like food that would stand up to reheating well like texturally but man yeah well and getting like preview of last year's kitchen i think this <coughs> excuse me this episode is exposed avishar's like fatal flaw which is that he has all the technique in the world but maybe he doesn't think enough about what things taste like like mm. he doesn't have the like palette or like he doesn't think about the palette as much as he's thinking about the techniques he's using we were wondering he seems like he's actually really young is it possible that this is just an experience thing because he seems like he might be super young or like just honestly the competition thing because it does feel like you have to come up with the concept so quickly and then execute it and I think that's one of the many difficult things about Top Chef, right? Is like whether or not then it actually ends up tasting good despite your good concept. And he does seem like all concept sometimes. Um, like here's it a, always a, sounds interesting. I just found an article of him from, on about him from Food and Wine that's called This Young Midwest Chef Put a Taco Bell Favorite on His First Menu. It is extremely good. So one of the things he was known for was a, a his reimagining of a cheesy gordita crunch. Um, mm. So he's a lot of concept. Um uh, actually, he's not that young. He's 33 at this point, probably. Excuse me. <laughs> the 34 year olds among this panel. Oh, like no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> super young and vivacious and healthy. The only thing <laughs> I guess I mean is like also old enough to know how to season his food. That's true. Although, honestly, I still struggle with that, too. And I'm, I'm not a chef. <laughs> and I'm not trying to listen. I, I love Avishar. Like, he's great. I'm not trying to like slide him and say he doesn't know how to season his food. It's just like I, it seems clear that he puts so much thought into the techniques he's using and what he can do yeah. and that's interesting because like with last again chance kitchen he's making this like scrambled eggs with blood and he kept saying like i think it coagulates right. at the same temperature as eggs and I'm like it's cool if you know that but what does it taste like yeah at no point yeah. did he say this seems good and delicious it sounds horrifying we're gonna talk about how much i hate last chance kitchen in a second <laughs> um but yeah i agree that i think he might be a little bit um concept driven um the uh, but to Avishar's extreme credit, his joke that got no reaction at all when they came back into the stew room and he was like, "It's Chris." Just kidding, it's me. I, like <laughs> is so dark, and no one has made that joke as far as I can remember on the show. The show, no one has ever said someone else was going home, and boy, the room was not ready for that. <laughs> I mean, they were sad ahead they of his time. It. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it's sad as you're going to be. I we, like I got a we got several versions of this um, in the mailbag, but I will take J number ones first. Um, this week highlighted the problem of having so many likable chefs getting along so well. Every elimination hurts. Uh, it's nice not to have villains, but it's also hard to watch our heroes fall. Which I definitely yeah. felt like, yeah, basically every week. Um, well, a little less so with Gabriel, but definitely this week. And after this, yeah, there's nobody that's going to be super easy. Although it does feel like Chris has not yet figured out that these people have a salty palate. These judges need a lot of salt, and it's hard to know if, like, I'm, I'm afraid he's going to show up next week and he's going to give you Ezra's salt bomb, and it's not going to work. <laughs> as long as there's no glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So much worse. I mean, look, maybe people like glass. All right, no. we haven't really tested it. Right, we yeah, have. We don't need glasses. to do this. Um, <laughs> as save this for next week's list of riffs. Um, <laughs> let's see what else we need to talk about from this elimination. Uh, uh, Shoda's food looks like Shoda would have. I think if Shoda didn't have immunity, I think he would have been eliminated. I I feel <sighs> confidently about that. It looked real bad. Yeah, it was the worst the looking bad. one. I mean, the bad chicken trend. It's been bad. Bad chicken has been cursing people this season. A lot of bad. That's true. This is a bad chicken season. It okay. was weird that so, they didn't get to shop at all or and that they didn't like really know. Well, that's true. Yeah. So we should talk like about a surprise from the setup, I guess. His like, edit was he was super uninspired. They didn't have any of the food that he was hoping for because and they we heard this from Robot Padma from the future um, ADR recording saying Instead of shopping, you'll be given a variety of bulk foods that we have in the kitchen. So there was just like kind of weird boxes of food that they weren't ready for. And that really seemed to do him in. Yeah. But it's also, I think, like, I guess that's part of the challenge and maybe part of like world, uh, one world kitchen. One world cafe. One world World central kitchen. World central kitchen. Okay. I'm sorry for not remembering it. Uh, but like, I, I think that might've been like, you wouldn't be getting food just from whole foods that like regular people can go. And maybe that's another step of like sourcing the food. That's true. To make that sure makes sense of that. And also we have not had like a, to like a scale, a cooking to scale challenge. Yeah. That's such a great point. And, um, a blaze, uh, came out talking shit in the car as usual, but where he said like kids these days, we they're, they're so tired over 65 portions. We used to do 200, but these were not tasting portions. These were 65 no. full, well-rounded meals. And that's an intense amount of food. Because I mean, like the people doing drumsticks, there were two drumsticks in each one. So that's 130 like drumsticks. You have to dress wow. cook. And yeah. Have like consistent. Well, you also saw with like Avishar was with that six foot, diameter pot which we have not seen yet on this season we don't see very often pots that big so you know that this was a lot of food that they were cranking out mm, yeah. it makes sense why they they were running out of like you know too many people on the grill or or wherever and yeah right the pizza oven because it's so much food yeah they needed to use the whole grill for yeah. all of their pieces of chicken Oh, you know what was nice though? I remember like uh, I think maybe Maria called out like the the Brotherhood, which is like everyone's like hustling so hard to like to make sure sure everyone's like yeah. uh, dishes got in and like to 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 have that lift kind of spread out amongst all the chefs. I, I always that like that anyway, but it's especially true when there's a challenge like this where they're doing they're feeding people where they like they care a lot about what the people think, not just the judges. Um. Oh, I should have said when we were talking about how sad it is to send people home. Um, Padma said, it's going to be hard to send somebody home. And Tom said, not for me. <laughs> Tom was so ready to say he was not pleased with the seasoning of the food. So he felt nothing. Um, also, we had a, we had two great exits. because We had um, Avishar cartwheel exit and Jamie's win. She she felt 
required by her body to celebrate by doing the robot. That's how she she was so happy. She was like, I want to do the robot. <laughs> she had some good beeps and boops. Yeah, a lot of good beeps and boops. Very fun. Um, oh, also just from the, um, I guess, from the Portlandiness of this, um, the hospitals, I do want to call it real quick, which was Emanuel and Good Samaritan and OHSU. Um, Kaiser would have participated, but they have their own internal reality show that they have to go through for all their food in network. Yeah. <laughs> Only their in network reality show contestants can cook for them. Um, well, yeah, that seems good. Let's jump into last chance kitchen. Uh, so for last chance kitchen, as you remember, Avishar's curry tasted a little bit bloody. So Tom decides to ruin everybody's day by making this a blood challenge. It's gross. It's gross. And I don't like it. I don't support it. And the chefs have to use at least two blood ingredients, one from the real blood and one can be blood as a metaphor, uh, but still super gross. And uh, because of the real blood, Avishar uh, ruins the scrambled eggs with blood, which is gross. Um, but according to Tom, the thing that ru- actually made them bad was the cheese. So Tom is also dead to me now. Um, meanwhile, uh, Sasha makes sausage uh, and it's good and something. Anyway, I hate it. I hate this all. And I am happy that Sasha won, but I, didn't, I hate it. That's, that's missed opportunity. Alex also doesn't like beets. I also oh. don't like beets. That's true. The blood metaphors were also a problem. But oh, this is so gross. How, just how many times do you want to say coagulation on a challenge and still think people are going to be appetized? Yeah, <sighs> it was gross. It was it was nasty. Uh, it was, Sarah couldn't watch it, so I had to like hide the screen from her at certain points. <laughs> it uh, was bad. Like, what what I found fascinating is like. As someone who eats meat, it, I was still like on the edge. But the thing that pushed me over was the goat cheese on Avisher. It was. Like, totally. Well, I hate goat cheese. But then the whole time he's talking about this dish, I'm like, I don't know. I guess I could see it. Sausage and eggs. And then like as he's like describing it at the time, I was like, and I put some goat cheese on top to finish it off. I'm like, how did you think goat cheese was the missing ingredient in your plate of blood? Yeah. Like no one wants like this weird, funky, nutty thing to assault like your na- your no- nostrils from behind. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It sounds awful. Uh, like that, that was the thing that blew my mind is like, after all this discussion of their dish and me thinking that they were like neck and neck, Avishar puts goat cheese on it. It's like, well, your ass lost. <laughs> but I do like, I do like that Tom was like, why not make it a full English and put a tomato on it? And he's like, oh, I don't like tomatoes. Like that was just really funny after all of this, like he had no problem with any of the blood stuff and he's like tomatoes. Ew. Yeah. Ew, not- <laughs> I uh, agree with you though, Kyle. I, yeah. Like I sometimes just with regular scrambled eggs, sometimes goat cheese is too much because it's just like too much. Uh, I don't know, uh, uh, farmy. Yeah, it's flavor. a farminess right, on a top of, of eggs, yeah. which is like too much farmy overall. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's blood in the scrambled eggs, it's a little. Oh my god! Uh, I I I'm just I was mad at them for missing the horror movie tie-in and not having Carrie be uh, a, a guest judge for all the blood. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's just like because when it's not going to happen again. That was your one chance. Yeah. Maybe they asked her and she was like, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not have a great time in high school. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, I also thought it was fun that uh, Tom was so bummed that no one took Pig Heart. Oh, man. It was such a... He was just moping around like, really? Yeah, I was like, oh, No one wants good? the Pig Heart? I thought... I, I thought I sure someone was going to take Pig Heart. was not having any of that sob story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but obviously the most disappointing part... And I'll, I'll go to Ren for this, uh, who said, but everybody said it. We are most upset about the peanut gallery for Last Chance Kitchen being gone. Yes. Bring back Roscoe. Oh. 
I mean, so sad. The, last year's kitchen didn't use its pig heart, which is the peanut gallery. It is. That's yeah. the real pig heart of the episode. <laughs> That's so true. I missed the stoolies. It was the best stoolies we've ever had, and they're all gone. And it, oh, it was such a bummer. Um, I do. I do think we got a good amount of Avishar though on this. Like first, he saw what was coming with the blood challenge, and then Sasha's quote about him was, "Whew, he is relentless with the banter." <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like something I would take on a, on a gravestone. <laughs> anyway, blood dish is gross. I mean, I, I hope we get more. I hope we are building our new peanut gallery, uh, you know, with like Avishar as the anchor. Yeah, um, it'd be a good I first stool. More, yeah, <laughs> first. Yeah, first um, chair stool. Um, yeah, maybe it's just like him next to like a, a pig heart in a jar, just like just hanging out. <laughs> he does seem like the sweetest boy. It does. I would like to be friends with Avishar. I feel he's. I mean, not eating his food probably. It sounds gross, but um, I like him as a person. <laughs> In real life, he and Shoda have a partnership called, I think, Asian Sensation, where they make food together and put it on Instagram. How is Shoda partners with everybody? Yeah. What a friendly guy. He is the universal donor of friendship. (laughs) Was it AB positive? Which one is it? Anyway, Shoda is AB positive personality. Or is that the universal receiver? Nobody knows. That's That's the I think. I think. I think. Oh, one, showtime! Ah, that would be it. There we yeah. Go. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's that's sweet. That's fun. I like that. I. Um, o negative are universal donors. A B positive is universal recipients. Um. Yeah, he's O positive. And that's my dad, which is why he donates blood as often as he can. And one time he donated plasma to be a good citizen and fainted so hard he never did it again. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I I'm a big supporter of giving uh, of of donating blood, um, but but not to Last Chance Kitchen. Not no to Last Chance Kitchen, and not to the point where you pass out. I think that's also not great. I I donated blood. Uh, I guess maybe last July because they were doing like you know uh, like antibody tests. I think uh, on all your blood for free, and then I was like. I want to see how much free food I can get from the situation. And I feel like I got my money's worth from the blood. <laughs> I'm shocked that you took it that way. Um, really? Uh, it's such a, what a surprise that that's what, what you would try to get out of it. <laughs> I got a free t-shirt also. Um, yeah. they'll do. Yeah, my, Did you make my, the t-shirt out of food? <laughs> <laughs> it was all stitched together from Think Bar wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my, yeah, my blood guy's always pushing me to take more snacks. He's always disappointed that I... He's like, no, seriously, take one of everything. Try them all. You got to get them. Yeah. Yeah, or or just stash them and send me a care package. Also, sometimes they do a pint for a pint at my blood place, where they give you a coupon for a free uh, pint of ice cream on the way home at Baskin Robbins, oh. and it's real uh, sweet. I thought it was gonna be beer. Yeah, I thought beer too, and I was like, this seems dangerous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're a pint. <laughs> the down. children's hospital is giving me beer as I leave. That yeah, would be very strange, but um, see if you can talk about like a gallon for a gallon. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can handle a gallon. I'm a big boy, but a gallon would be a lot of blood. <laughs> I am generally my main takeaway from blood giving is how easy it is, so I do recommend it. It's like they can take that much blood out of you, and then you're fine. It's pretty great. They're like, have yeah. some Gatorade, go home, you're fine. Like I was, I actually asked the first time I did, I asked if I was going to be allowed to drive home. I was really worried that they were going to like ruin me, and I was going to stay the night in the hospital. And they were like, no, just leave, go, just have some Gatorade, get out of here. It's really well, cute. You're very fortunate. Some of us. Um don't do well with tiny little vials taken from our arms. <laughs> I'm, you know, this is my point. I'm giant and I'm not using most of it, so I'm happy to give it to kids anytime I can. Uh, not directly. <laughs> You're just passing out this Halloween for you. 
I do like to say when I'm going to there, I'm like, I'm going to give some blood to some children. It does sound bad, but I think they want it. Also, well, oh, can I tell you a quick, one more quick blood story? Um, was that uh, I got a call after like one of my donations where they were like, hey, we found this antibody um, in one of the... Pr- so your blood was given to a kid and there was an, an allergic reaction and there, there's this antibody in the blood that means either the person who donated to them was pregnant or has HIV and <gasps> it was either you or this woman because both of you gave them blood and she was just had been pregnant. That's all it was. It was like the most normal thing, but they just thought they would call me and be like, we need you to come get some more tests in case you were either pregnant or had HIV or it was this woman who has been pregnant. It was an intense level of non-specificity. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Were you scared or were you just like, no, I was like, it's probably the pregnant lady. Like (laughs) of those two options, that's the one that makes the most sense. That doesn't um, seem like good doctoring. <laughs> it was not the best doctoring. Good, good it phlebotomy. Like, it seems like good lawyering. Right, covering <laughs> a lot of bases for sure. Um, all right, let's get into uh, before uh, last couple things. First of all, from zero to five stumps. How well did this episode showcase Portland for you? Anybody want to kick us off, Megan? How Portland I mean, did this feel? Sorry, and then as I thought, it, <clears throat> I thought it was uh, great. Mm-hmm. I thought the quick fire was really great. Um, Mm-hmm. having Dave's and then also having like making things with ingredients that um, are, you know, about to go bad and, or whatever, you know, less desirable. Um, uh, is very like preventing food waste that, that really like struck that. a yeah. note for, for Portland. I think Love it. so. Yeah. Good point. Um, yeah. I, I, I give it at least four. Four okay. stumps. Ez, yeah. What do you think? What, what's Portland's position on second chances? Is this sort of like a fail once and you, and you have to go to Seattle, or what's the what's the deal? Um, I think it's an interesting Portland's question. Portland's the second chance for not failing in Seattle, but like if Seattle don't work. Well, I mean, the reason we Portland. ended up in Portland originally was because it was more affordable than Seattle, so it okay. was sort of like a, a second chance to live on the West Coast, and yeah, Seattle's cheaper than San Francisco. So yeah, it's it's the affordable yeah. city on the coast to move to. Okay, four and a half stumps then. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think Dave in there. I think the hospitals were, was nice. Um, mm. Although I was, I, so they went to OHSU, but which OHSU is one of the most interesting hospitals in the world, I think, because they own the top of a mountain and then they own all the land at the bottom of the mountain and nothing in between. And so it's there's an active, very useful, one of the most profitable trams in the United States. There's a hanging uh, tram that you take from the bottom to. Uh, um, it's a tram. What else? You, what else would you call that? A gondola. A gondola. You take a gondola from their parking structures up to their hospital. So the fact that we had to see a BMW drive to the top instead of gondola up to that hospital, huge missed opportunity. So I'm taking off a full stump for not seeing the OHSU gondola. That's such a fascinating thing. Like, so are there like, is the emergency rooms on like the at the foot of the mountain, and then like if you like. You have to go to like special surgeries, like you get gondoled up. I, I believe that all of the main things you would go to are on the top. The bottom is like a lot of housing and education and um, offices and stuff are on the bottom. So like a lot of a lot of doctors and nurses live around the base of the mountain and then just gondola to work, which is what a life, you guys. Ooh. Gondola to work, it's so lovely. But I don't I don't think they roll past like uh, patients in there like it's an ambulance. It's not a sky ambo. 
but uh, it is Gun cool. It's fun. Work. And you, you can also just, if you don't mind that there are mostly doctors in there, you can just take the gondola and come back down. And it's really lovely. You see the city. It's nice. Mm-hmm. But anyway, four stumps like, for me for that. Can you take laps in the gondola? Like you just like sort of like set up like like your lunch like inside the gondola and just be like. I, I believe that like, the gondola gondolier would at some point ask you to leave. And they can ask. <laughs> they might also throw you out by force in the middle. I don't know. I don't. don't I forget how the <laughs> tickets work. Like you have to get an extra ticket for the gondola, but it might be good for like you know two round hours trip. Or yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. possible yeah. if it's a two hour ticket. Yeah, you could just just sit there and eat lunch and ruin people's day. Somebody should. I don't know why we've never done this. I should have done a comedy show in the gondola until they kicked us out. Just mm. set up a little amp and be like, we're doing three minute sets on the way up, and then a different three minute set on the way down, and you can yeah, hang out I, as long as you want. I don't know why you never did that either. <laughs> does sound kind of fun um anyway uh sarah and kyle stumps portland how much uh let's say three i don't think i learned that much about portland like we saw a good bit of portland but i don't think i learned as much as someone who doesn't know anything about portland right so it's definitely portlandy but i think it's i felt more in the three range it was more of a world kitchen right <laughs> you know we learned about the world right and, and the kitchen and the wonder of bread i do feel like dave's is the most portlandy product tie-in we've had so far and so it make, which makes sense if they're if they have wonder bread money mm-hmm. um because they had trouble finding portland brands that could afford this kind of sponsorship so that's pretty fun um yeah. all right uh bef- let's jump now before we go into our nope nope wait oh right. wow jump really early. there it is yeah. there we go <laughs> we don't have to end the episode it's the mailbag you can get in touch with us on facebook and twitter and on email by sending us an email podcast at read-weep.com we really appreciate everybody who writes in to the show let's start well since we're talking about hospitals let's start with meredith uh meredith says um they didn't come to my hospital um so it made me chuckle that the elves misspelled ohsu it's only four letters. So OHSU, uh, Oregon Health and Science University, um, was the initials on the screen were OSHU, um, wow. which is not the end of the world. But come on, guys, uh, <laughs> just just double check. Also, Meredith, I'm so sorry they didn't come to your hospital. Yeah, wouldn't that have been amazing if you'd gotten to eat the Top Chef hospital food? Um, oh yeah, I forgot hospital food is not known for being great. So. What a great, what a great challenge! Really, bring you better food. Anyway, sorry, Meredith, that would have been lovely. Um, also related to the deliveries, uh, Jane on Facebook. Um, I don't know why it was so. I thought it was so endearing that we had footage of Blaze and Gregory eating on the roadside and making comments on the food. I think it just gave me road trip nostalgia, even though I've never eaten out of the back of a BMW. It had a really good energy of like they got a long way to go and not much time to get there so like they couldn't even go to like where there was a a picnic area it was like gregory sitting on a curb and blaze in the trunk of the car (laughs) like it was was very like we just got to do this we're starving yeah it was fun i liked that about it it was very relatable i feel like a lot of like our road trip meals uh this past year were not uh super formal right it was just like it was just mostly in the car it was a very covid moment yeah take out and then sit in the side of the car or or a little picnic table in the edge of a parking lot um yeah i thought that was super fun um also uh jane mentions gail's outfit i don't usually notice these details but i would totally wear that um leak the wardrobes elves well, I mean, outfit of the episode, I think it's, we once again have to give to Kwame. It's got to be Kwame with his um, his jumpsuit, jumpsuit with yellow zipper thing. It was crazy good. 
Uh, Sarah, you clocked like what this designer I, probably was. I thought was. it was probably off white, but I didn't actually do. Research it does look off whitish. That's a good guess. Um, they had that whole like run that had the yellow. Yeah. It kind of looked like um, caution tape, sort of. Mm-hmm. I think that was off white. It definitely. I really need Tanya here because she would know immediately. For sure, yeah, Chris and Tanya would be very helpful on this. But still, I it looked great, and I I feel like in previous seasons of Top Chef we've had a lot of awesome um, jumpsuits on women. We'd not get as much jumpsuits on the men, and I'm for it. I want it to happen. I'm enjoying it. I'm glad Kwame brought it. Um, I, if, Sarah and I were saying uh, like kind of like what a weird situation it is to be Gail, where it's like it's like Gail's like okay. Like I'm gonna put so much effort into the into the uh, into the outfit, and then like to have basically like always have to be working next to Padma. It's like a real <laughs> real tough one. Yeah, you know? I I mean I know that we've we've seen little episode clips where they talk about how much effort Padma and the team go through for her wardrobe, and I haven't seen it about the other people. So I assume that Gail is having to do most of this on her own, and probably has some help, but is also probably doing a lot of this work. So excellent job. We had other people mentioned also how great Gail looked. So. Um, it was rad. I do. I just like the jumpsuits are happening, guys. Right? Every science fiction was like, in the future, we're all going to wear jumpsuits. And we were like, oh, crazy. And we didn't realize that they would look rad when it happened. <laughs> That's the thing they were missing is that all all the futuristic stuff was like jumpsuits, but they're bad. And it should have been jumpsuits, but they're awesome. Hmm. They're really wonderful. If you haven't gotten on this already, get on. I'm it. not it quite confident thing. enough for it, but I would like to be. You, sh- you should do it. They're so good. They're so nice. Wait, what are you shaking your head, Kyle? You're against it? Listen, they're, they're made for specific body types. Uh, I, yeah, anything that is made for specific body types, it's unlikely to be mine. Like The, the problem with uh, jumpsuits is they assume a uniformity from the top half to the bottom half. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, you need a more proportionate person. Yeah. Um, Jane also says, have your projections, have your top projections changed? changed i think my brain says gabe sarah dawn but my heart would love to see shoda and jamie up there that's a good point i felt like shoda was in a strong position to win early on but he's had some like not elegant stumbles like sarah's stumbled taking big swings but shoda stumbled like giving up i don't remember the well, other stumbles what? shoda made something real bad um, the, the drive-in corn dog. Uh, yeah the drive-in was so yeah 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 Although I liked his story about this dog getting murdered. Woof. Um, yeah, woof indeed. I don't know. I don't have a clear sense of the tops. Like, I, I really think it could go in any direction. Like, I, I, I don't think anyone should be inked into the the finale or the top three or the top four. Because, like, I, I think there's a lot of talent in who's left. And I do think there there could easily be five or six people that are in that mix. I, I I guess you can more say that like I don't think Maria and Chris nope. and probably Byron nope. have it. Uh just because of like at this point in the season you're seeing like a body of work. And like now is when you you need to have your like breakthrough moment to like figure your stuff out if you're going to make that sort of resurgence. Yeah, they're not as well rounded you know, as the as the top chefs that we've seen, who can just kind of pull it off in whatever situation, mm-hmm. they, it takes a little more specifics. You know, for Byron to do well, it has to be a little bit more of like a fine dining thing. You know, I just to um, go to the numbers for this. I feel like so Shoda, Sarah, and Dawn all have five tops in the elimination, and Gabe has four, and then Sarah and Shoda are tied for um, top with two elimination wins of those. Yeah. So. 
it does seem like it'd be hard to vote against Sarah and Shota. They both seem like they have that ability and, and they've shown it. And Gabe, for sure. And Dawn, like, stumbled a little out of the blocks, but then has been consistently doing super well. I think if you were yeah. looking at just the storylines of the season and the edits of the season, there's reason, I think, you could make a strong case that, that they're setting up Dawn to win. Um I think that because of how much good stuff we saw about her in the first few episodes and sto- like story wise, despite her not yeah. cooking great, makes me think that maybe they were giving us what we needed to watch for the season. Interesting. Um, I could see that story. I mean, I, I like Sarah and Shota are my top picks um, with my heart, but I could definitely see Donner or Gabe being in there. But and you also have to remember that someone's coming out of Last Chance Kitchen. Like I think they. I felt a similar way about uh, Sasha coming out of Last Chance Kitchen because of how much they have Tom, like, loving her food in, like, those first two or three challenges. Like, I I think it's very possible that Sasha's going to come out of this second round of Last Chance Kitchen. I mean, that would be incredible. Uh, not only having been, like, eliminated and coming back, but also just the number of wins she'd have to have done, to, gotten to do it. And, I mean, winning to get back on in that five-way heat I mean, that is mm-hmm. just an incredible mm-hmm. bit of cooking. It would yeah, be I, interesting to see her come back because she went out so early that she has almost no practice with act- with elimination challenges, but she is just like crushing quick fires. So yeah, it would be very interesting. Well, she'd to see be able back. to come back late enough where like the elimination challenger just like cook real cook food. good. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. Oh man, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, good. Good thoughts all around. Um, from Ren, um, oh, Ren wanted to point out that it was Ren's partner was the one who predicted Jamie coming back. So full credit to um, partner Ren. Um, and Ren also says, I definitely cried a lot this episode between the first responders and Dawn talking to her mom, which was a good fake out by the magical elves. Oh, so so sweet and sad. And then, yeah, definitely felt like was surprised that she did not win or lose with that because it was we, so we should like chart that out sometimes where it's like of all the phone calls you know does top like how does top chef stats often have that i think top chef stats has that. like how often has it been a bottom a middle or yeah a i think they do um does a phone call home predict anything when we, yes when we see a phone call home 84 percent of the time that chef is called to judge's table so 84.5 percent yeah. it's a something is a phone call a very bad sign? Of the 58 phone calls, we only see 11 chefs were eliminated that episode and 16 were winners. So it's actually oh. slightly more likely that it means that you will do well than that you'll do poorly. But it does definitely means you'll be on the top of the box. It's, which makes sense. It's weird to have you call home and then be in the middle. Yeah. Um, let's see. A couple more real quick things um, uh, from at Leprechaun again, who, by the way, um, would like pointed out in our correcting top uh, um, Twitter pronunciations that um, it's meant to be pronounced leprechaun, but this one is not me doing it wrong on accident. This one is I'm there's no vowels, so I'm not saying the vowels. This is like <laughs> if you don't put a vowel in, I'm not going to say it. I'm. I'm, I'm I mean, is there an R? Yes, L E P R C N, leprechaun. Okay, I'm hearing you say leprechaun. Yeah, that's true. I might be adding an extra R, leprechaun. Yeah. Leprechaun. 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 Oh, that's good. Leprechaun. Okay, so Leprechaun on Twitter says, um, uh, what a unique setup for Restaurant Wars next week with the guests being able to see what the chefs are doing the entire time. I can't wait for that next episode. This is genius. Any Hana (laughs) tie-in? Oh, man, you have to juggle something during your cook. (laughs) 
We want dinner. We want a show. <laughs> yeah, that's no, funny. I'm, this is like a trend. Like this has been like a big trend of like what uh, chefs do because of like former Top Chef contestant Philip Franklin Lee. That's his whole thing in Southern California. Is he has like mm. three or four restaurants that one's like fish it's like one's pasta bar and then it's like maybe like fish bar or something and like his whole thing is like small servings like uh small like oh god tasting portions not tasting portions like the seatings yeah small seating and then like the chefs are cooking it all like right in front of you like this is like i'm very surprised that it's taken this long for top chef to try something like this because it is such a like big restaurant trend yeah. mm-hmm. of like specific types of restaurants that get a lot of play. And those There's are the so kind of many. places where they like sell you a ticket for your seating as opposed to selling you a meal where it's like you paid for this, you whether or not you showed up as opposed to a reservation. Yeah. And like that's been like so many of like the big restaurants in LA. Like Sarah and I never went to them because like you said, it's like a seating, you don't have as much control and it's expensive. So spendy, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But like it is wasn't it Jose Andres that had Somni? out here and that was like that was the whole it was in like a beverly hills restaurant and like that was the whole thing is you just sit there'd be 10 people around a table and you'd be watching these we went to one of these in portland um it was a vegan restaurant a vegan one yeah it was the first it's the only time i think still that i've i've eaten vegan food prepared with tweezers you don't see a lot of vegan tweezers i liked that visas visas yeah was that farm spirit yeah farm spirit yeah that was really that was really fun um, yeah, it's a special occasion kind of deal, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, I think it was, it was like, a Christmas gift from Julia. I think it was. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Sister of the show, Julia. Um, uh, yeah, so it was like twelve people sitting around watching the chefs make everything. It was very intimate and very sweet, and I liked it a lot. So I think it's like, a neat idea. It's, it's it's also very clearly like a chef skill, like a modern chef skill is not just to like make the food, but also figure out how to make it in a way that isn't necessarily a performance, but it's like making sure that your act of cooking it doesn't stress out the diners. It's (laughs) less than like, it's not as much making it performative as in making it, not making it look like you're struggling. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And that's so interesting for restaurant wars, which Which is is all about struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The other thing uh, is that from the preview we got is I feel like Dawn is a, one of the um, head chefs. That was the only thing I could tell. uh, I thought, or maybe Chris was, and then, Interesting. Yikes. Yikes for that underseason meal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I like this idea. I think it is interesting. I think it makes sense. I was sort of hoping that Restaurant Wars would be a ghost kitchen episode of Restaurant Wars where they have to come up with a generic logo, sell all their food at a loss on a delivery app, and not have a physical presence. I think that's the way you should have set this up. Man, I don't get ghost kitchens. Like, maybe it's just because I haven't lived near enough to get any of like the cool ones right yeah like, where they like lower your food in a bucket from a, a fire escape or something that's not a, that's not a ghost kitchen that's right. just a, that's just a, cool, a home kitchen a home kitchen yeah you're right but it's like the weird thing where like every influencer has a ghost kitchen where it's like yeah it's jake paul's knock knockout burgers <laughs> and it's just like <laughs> dog like absolute awful food but just has like a, a tiktoker's name associated right with it. i i think that would be an interesting setup but um, I, I prefer Jake Paul's knockout burgers, which sounds awful, to where they're like um, Chuck E. Cheese is pretending to be a high-end restaurant by s- selling food with a different name, but it's the same address. That kind of shenanigan. I have not seen that. Yeah, there that was a thing. So, so Chuck E. Cheese had like a, they made a logo and a fancy pizza name. 
and someone noticed that they were all at Chuck E. Cheese's. So it was like, hey, there's this cool, fancy new local pizza shop. And it was just Chuck E. Cheese selling their pizza as a ghost kitchen. Because um, no one was ordering Chuck E. Cheese pizza when the pandemic yeah, started. Yeah, no, it's not. You're not there for the pizza. It's not because the pizza's great at home. Um, it's the ambiance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And no, I remember because like we you know, we have a Chuck E. Cheese, and after I read that, that it was like, oh, is this true? And like, if I when I searched for uh, for pizza nearby, like it, it popped up. It's always it, the first ad on Yelp to come up for when you search pizza. That's fine. So it was like Pasquale's or something. It's basically it's because it's 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 something a part of the Chuck E. Cheese lore. Also, it's like it's oh really, <laughs> yeah. like an uncle yeah. of Charles Entertainment Cheese. I, I feel like it was, it was the evil person actually. Oh, it's the villain. <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. the it's like the Cruella remake. We're getting a villain edit of the Chuck E. Cheese movies. Yeah, there is Pas- Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. I hate it. I, I, oh, it's so it might be. It might be gone. It might be down now. I'm not seeing it. It's like just did Chuck E. Cheese. Once okay? they got caught, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, one last thing from the mailbag uh, from our restaurant correspondent Jordan, and this is since I mentioned the buying tickets to these fancy meals instead of um, re- reservations. Jordan says, I was going to take the week off of restaurant news because I don't want to be constantly negative. This is a positive and fun podcast. But everyone, please, we beg of you, show up. If you make a reservation, please show up. If you're running late, you can call. If you can't make it, you can call. We realize last minute things happen. Just call. I turned down at least 200 reservation requests Friday and Saturday, not including people trying to walk in. We, the whole industry, have precious little space, little staff, and are scraping by. Not showing up when we hold your table is more damaging than any bad Yelp review. And thanks for being part of a positive week, Jordan. Hey, no, that's a good lesson. Seriously. I, I think, like, I, I, thank you, Jordan. I don't think that's negative at all. I think that's, like, a very constructive thing to tell people to do. I will, I mean, I feel like the only thing I would say is if you allowed me to text... I'd be more likely to do it. I'm not going to call you. I hate calling people. I will. I will say also, generally in life, this is not like like new advice. Show up, right? Yeah, like this well, is like yeah. Restaurants are, are people too. Yeah. Uh, same same thing for for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't flake because the restaurants are calling you like the morning of or the day before to confirm your reservation for this very reason. It's more just like if you're going to flake after someone called you the day before to make sure you still plan on eating at that restaurant, there is a circle in hell waiting for you. <laughs> and that. That's a ticket, not a reservation. Mm-mm. That circle of hell is expecting you to be there. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, everyone who writes in. You can get in touch with the mailbag uh, at packyourmics.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and podcast at read-weep.com is the email address. And we really appreciate everybody who writes in for your mostly positive, occasionally negative, and very pro stooly feedback. We really appreciate all of it. Now is it time? Nope. Wait, no, it's not, it's not too early. We have to say our goodbye first. That's the other show. <laughs> hey, everybody. That's it for Pack Your Mics. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, my brain is in all over the place. Um, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Please send us your feedback. Um, Chris, please stay gone. You lost. You stay in Last Chance Kitchen. Don't come back. Not welcome. We're uh, glad your knives are still packed. Yeah, keep your knives packed. Don't, don't unpack them. Don't get comfortable, Chris. Um... Thank you so much for being here and chatting with us, Sarah and Kyle. Thank you. Have a good week. And wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect bookend, the perfect amount of time for the maximum callback time you could possibly do on one episode, uh, first and last lines. Um, thanks for being here, Ez and Sarah. 
Good to be here. Yeah. Have a great week. Don't eat any glass. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> and Megan, it's all good to hang out with you. Likewise. Um, next week. Oh, and next week, um, I'm going to try to remember all of us. Uh, I would like all of us to try to remember to eat a donut. And we were, I was going to do it on the show today, and I forgot. But we really appreciate um, a generous listener sent us donut money this week. Um, and Thank you. Yeah, Thank you so, so much. Mm, Thank, you. Eat, Thank you. I, and I distributed so each person has enough for a couple of donuts. Maybe not for one of those huge donuts. Those look like they're very expensive. But we will definitely... They're not that expensive. They're, they're only $5. Ooh, affordable. Can't afford not to. Um, so we're all going to have some... Uh, we're going to have some on-air donuts next week, if I can remember. I'll put a note in my calendar. Um, but if not, we'll have eaten some donuts some other time. Anyway, we really appreciate it. Um, and we don't... We don't ask for donut money on the show, but we will accept it if it happens. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we're glad to have been part of your week. All right. That's it, everybody. Uh, Now? Now.